1: pod america the stupid podcast for the gothic children um hi i'm jake flores anders lee is here anders lee here alex patak is here hello uh and returning guest welcome back to the show ken klippenstein what's up man hey guys how's it going i'm good i'm extra good because i have a bombshell to drop on you i have a ken klippenstein style leaked uh thing that I'm going to drop on Ken Klippenstein. The last time we were here or you were here with us, we we got into a long thing about Bob Dylan. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um well, I learned something about Bob Dylan recently. Everyone knows he has a son named Jacob Dylan who is in The Wallflowers, right? Uh-huh. Did you yeah, know he has a, knows that. He has a second son named Jesse Dylan who directed the movie How High and he looks oh. like fucking he just looks like fatter he looks like um the subway Jared guy it's fucking crazy a <laughs> beautiful yes.
0: merit Mary- our beautiful meritocracy
1: at work. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. How's it feel, Ken? How's it feel when the leaks are on the other foot?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, found, I found this out by I I did a post that was like, Are you is Bob Dylan your dad? Here's my phone number. Text me information. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you gotta you, you gotta signal you gotta put signal in there
1: though. Oh no, no. Because you don't know if he's got
0: maybe maybe he's got some um, a uh, secret son working at the NSA or
1: something. Well, appa- something Jesse
3: Dillon, I just Googled him just now, and apparently he's on—he's a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. That's the there other thing.
1: <laughs> it's well, I thought you were joking
2: about the Subway Jared comment, but it really does seem like Jared was given a choice where you can lose all that weight, but you're going to molest children or... <laughs> You can become a famous director and just keep looking like that.
1: Yeah, no, I think he took the path of righteousness, not Subway yeah. Jared, the Jesse.
3: And apparently, <laughs> he directed the "Yes We Can" video with Will I Am in two thousand eight.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and he also directed a documentary about the Bloods and the Crips. Incredible cool. human! What the f- incredible pedigree this man has! Madly.
3: Born in, like, the thick of it, 1966, that was, like, you know, the peak of Dylan's career in a way. Yeah. Right, because that's
2: when he had Jesse. <laughs> I'm going to follow him around on tour.
3: I don't know if I mentioned this last time. I'm, I'm trying to remember, but uh, yell at me if I'm repeating a story. But my uncle was a roadie for a tour, I think the Rolling Thunder tour that Bob Dylan was on. Maybe it was a little later than that. It might have been, like, the 80s, Armade or something. Uh, And backstage, he was standing next to Bob Dylan, and Bob Dylan was coked the fuck out. And after every song, he would lean over to my uncle and say,
1: Good one! (laughs) And he did that like 20
3: (laughs) times in a row. They were
2: good ones. I don't see what the problem
3: is.
1: (laughs)
2: Bob Dylan's very funny personality to be coked out, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah, I'm just
0: picturing... It's like a bumblebee in a kazoo, but it's, like, had a ton of caffeine. It's talking really fast.
1: Yeah, that high-pitched kazoo hey, thing. It's, it's a weird thing to throw.
2: I have another song about how we all serve the queen. Keep
3: <laughs> her from being mean. Yeah, when so you we got to serve of- somebody, folks.
1: When you speed him up like that, he sounds like uh, one of those Simpsons characters, those, like one-off characters. Like, hey, man, like uh, a <laughs> Charles Bronson or something.
2: Yeah, <clears throat> like a lawyer who has to skip town. Yeah, well, there are many iconic Simpsons characters.
1: <laughs> Anyways, uh, we're here to talk about Amazon, right? That's the thing of the day. Um, Ken, you have a uh, a great new piece about some leaked information regarding this Amazon um, program where they were hiring people to argue on Twitter for them. They are
3: hiring <laughs> epic posters.
1: Yeah. People always say posting's not praxis, and it's like, well, why is Amazon paying people to do it, huh? Ooh. I've heard a pretty good argument that this only works in one direction, though, and I think that probably makes sense. But, uh, mm. <laughs> either way, I guess let's start at the beginning of the story, which is that they were accused of uh, ha- overworking their employees to the point of pissing in bottles. I think it's kind of around where this starts, right?
0: Yeah, so the genesis of a lot of this, because there had been reports of that in the past. Um, you know, people in warehouses having to urinate in, in bottles to meet their quotas because, you know, Amazon is infinite for its bruising quotas that, um, you know, underlies its... its uh it's competitive successes, which is, you know, being able to deliver things quickly. People never ask how that how that is, how that's possible. Um, but, you know, the, the latest flare up happened because um, Representative Mark Pocan, the Democrat from Wisconsin, was uh, replying. or I think he was I think he tagged Amazon saying that you need to uh, he, he was making fun of them for, sa- for saying that they were the Bernie Sanders of corporations. Because they pay their workers <laughs> yeah. $15 an hour. And, you know, Bernie talks about 15, but they actually give it to you. So who's the real Bernie here?
1: Yeah. Um, gotcha. he,
0: so then he brought up the urinating and bottles thing in response to kind of say, like, hey, you guys don't treat your people with dignity. That's not you know what progressives want. And um, and then Amazon replied to it with a thread. I think it was like three tweets from their, P- from their official PR account where they said, you don't really believe the urinating bottles thing, do you? And that just blew up because they have countless drivers, not to mention the warehouse workers, that – You know, not just have to do this, but are doing this regularly, Um, and that was really the beginning of all this.
3: And
2: so, and it's not something they like doing. Let's just get that out of the way.
1: (laughs) We are the R. Kelly of employers. (laughs) 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 Uh, I don't know.
2: I've peed in a bottle in a car before, but it was not like like no one else was at fault for it. So I think that is a part
3: of the discussion that doesn't get just trimmed off right there. I mean, at least it's not. I, I had a Russian friend I grew up with, and he told me that in the home country, he had a friend back in Russia who all his other friends would pee on as uh, <laughs> he was like a personal <laughs> lavatory. So it could That's be right worse. Dangerous. They could like hire a Russian to have people, you know, defecate, and urinate on. Yeah,
1: they need uh, every cent. Every Amazon shipping center needs to have a piss pig. <laughs> That solves the problem. Hmm.
2: Andrew's yeah. just feeding Amazon ideas directly from <laughs> RT
3: to get around their workplace issues hey. um, I, so that tweet there's some um, confusion about how it originated, right because one of the rules internally and you wrote uh, so you've written a couple articles about this is no, uh, no self-inflicted wounds. There's certain subjects we're not going to touch, and we're just going to have these little, you know, uh, ambassadors try and spread positive messaging about Amazon. Uh, and people were like, were we, When once they did that, you don't believe the pissing in bottles thing, uh, people were like, were we hacked at Amazon? They were like flustered about this. It was not a good look, as they say. But it turns out... This order to to uh, be more uh, defensive about Amazon's practices and conditions came from the top, isn't that right? Is uh, Bumble Bezos uh, <laughs> sort of inspired this tweet?
0: Yeah, I talked to a bunch of people from um, Amazon corporate that had insight into exactly this, and I didn't find a single person who wasn't you know shocked and horrified at what was happening. Even you know true believers that are like, yeah, we believe in helping the customer and this kind of thing that you know really drank the Kool Aid. And are not necessarily like you know left wing dissidents by any stretch of the imagination. They were like shocked. They're like, this is so embarrassing. I can't believe what's happening. The amount of time it's going to take us to win back people's trust after this. And I said, well, you know, if this is happening, like, didn't you guys sign off on it? They said, no, we didn't. Whoever put the statements out went around our usual protocol for authorizing um, uh, public remarks. And um, not just that, people thought the statements were so insane. That uh, as you mentioned, a Twitter engineer actually reported it uh, formally. They put out a, what's called a problem ticket, thinking that it got hacked and there was some troll putting out these statements. And uh, you know, I had the internal um, uh, like chat logs leaked to me showing that um, they responded to the ticket. They said, "No, this wasn't a hack. This is a real thing." And then everybody was just kind of dumbfounded, like, "Oh no!" That was the point where they were like. It's coming from inside the house, you know. If, uh, they don't know what to. don't know what to do.
1: If you were um, in an Amazon warehouse and someone offers you the Kool-Aid, do not drink it because yeah. it's, it's piss.
0: Well, I, you know,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the um, and you know, I'll say the only Kool-Aid drinkers seem to be on the corporate side. It seemed like on the um, warehouse and delivery side, there were virtually none. It was only on the and even among the corporate folks, there were a lot of uh, dissident
3: types. But so, but Bezos himself, or someone around him, someone, uh, someone
0: very C-suite, C-suite. Vox said it was Bezos. I couldn't find out who it was, but somebody at the very top, for sure, just rammed it through.
3: And they've been just pissed off about the bad rap they've been getting with Bessemer and all this stuff, and so they want to like hit back harder.
0: Yeah, it's kind of this Trump guy um, thing where it's like, um, you know, like you can't let yourself get pushed around in the public sphere. And the reality is, you talk to the constable, like. Absolutely, let's do that. Do not touch this. It's not going to go well for us. Right. And so, you know, they touched it, and now we see what happens. Today, you know, at the time of this recording, uh, they put out an apology saying, yes, workers do urinate in bottles. Apologies <laughs> of funny because then they say, they say, but there are other corporations that do that, too.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and, and one thing they also said in there is like, uh, but it's only the drivers. But you have it on record that it's not only the drivers. It's the people in the warehouses, too. That's right.
0: Internal documents uh, provided to me show that not just are the drivers doing this, but the management is completely aware of it. And um, there was one email. It's not just your name, and bottles either. This is, what I was, this is probably the most surprising thing. When I was talking to people, I figured, yeah, sure. Of course, you know, the conditions are probably rotten. I mean, they don't have union representation. Why wouldn't they get pushed around? It probably happens sometimes. I talked to drivers who said a single day doesn't pass where I'm not doing this every day for months, you know? And then in addition to that, Um, I was shown a memo from, uh, I don't remember which um, branch manager, but saying that um, something like this was the third time in a month that we found uh, poop in bags that workers were doing in order to, and I can't stress enough, this is not in any meaningful sense a voluntary thing because people told me again and again, the quotas are so harsh that if I don't do these things to kind of save time, I'm just not going to hit the quotas. I'm going to lose the job.
3: Right. So it's a, it's a catch 22. Uh, kind of a gaslighting almost, where they're not allowed to. They, well, they have to meet these quotas, or so they can get fired or, or penalized, right? Uh, but if they don't meet, if, you know, they have to go to the bathroom at some point, so they have no other choice really but to defecate and urinate in in these bottles, which or or bags. You know, I don't know if anyone else has had a poop bag. Uh, I haven't pooped in one, but I, I, will say my sister borrowed my coat once in eighth grade and picked up dog poop, put it in the coat and forgot about it. And nice. I just found it in my coat and it's what? crazy that finding it does things to people. Like I, I was like, I have to do something. I have to do something with this. And so I, I put it in a, a girl's, uh, lunchbox. Because, and I what? felt, I felt really bad about? because it was, it was just like. You're
2: admitting like to a crime right now. <laughs> I'm not pressured at thirteen.
3: I was 13. I was, 13. <laughs> I was very apologetic. <clears throat> but it's just like when you have that type of contraband, you have to do something with it. It causes, you know, uh, alarm. And that's what's happening here. They can't, you know, well, they're. That When they see the poop bag, they can't think logically and say, oh, maybe we should create better conditions so people don't have to do
1: this. One of those definitely probably ended up like in a box that they accidentally shipped out, you know, and they're like, oh, my God, as they <laughs> or, see it being carried away on the conveyor yeah. belt. <laughs> I, uh, somebody told me a story one time, like a nightmare story about, um, they had the shit in a bag for, like, a medical thing or something, and for some reason they had it with them, and then they went over to some person's house they had just met, and then accidentally, like, left it on the table, and then accidentally walked out, and the door, like, locked behind them, and then they just never (laughs) talked to that person again. (laughs) So, I don't know if that has anything to do with the story, I just... As long as we're on the topic of shit in bags, okay, (laughs) But yeah, so I think it's,
2: a, it's about avoiding the conditions that creates shit in bags. Is what it's well, about, and this
0: is clearly is not treated, voluntary. Right, they're treated so badly that the, the the thing I heard again and again wasn't even like the the, the request that workers had was kind of like stop um, punishing us for doing it. And then I was like, what if you didn't have to do it? They're like, oh, well, we don't live in a utopia yet. <laughs> it's ah. Like that was like way too far. So the <laughs> subtext of Amazon's <laughs> internal internal memos on this stuff was kind of like it seemed like they were kind of saying we don't want to see you doing it or we don't want the public seeing it happening so kind of like throw this stuff out it wasn't like how do we make it so this doesn't have to happen it's like conceal the evidence of it's happening Mm -hmm. Um, roll down the window
3: while you're driving poke your ass out and shit onto the freeway is like rat (laughs) race yeah
0: (laughs) exactly so they heard repeatedly was uh, anxiety about the sophisticated camera system they were putting into the cars. And so now they're worried. They're like, okay, how do I pee in the bottle without the camera seeing it? And then potentially management seeing it, see, getting mad. And it's just like, I'm sitting there like, Oh my God, look, we have to make a situation for you guys where you don't have to do that at all. And they're, they're uh, not wrongly. Cause they're stuck in a situation where they can't afford to lose the job th- thinking like narrowly, like, okay, how do I do this without getting in trouble for doing this one thing? You know, it's like, talking to these guys you get a much better sense for where this union push is coming from and it's not really like a overtly political like left-wing thing it's more just like things are so dire they don't know what else to do
1: yeah, yeah.
2: it this- seems like the cornerstone of this entire problem is just over policing of the amazon employees right because it uh you, you hear about the drivers having to do this but then you even hear about people who work on the factory floor either having to pee in a bottle or. Uh, Like somebody dies on the work floor and they have to just walk past them and it's because everything you do is monitored and if your bathroom is seven minutes away and you have a two and a half minute break you can't make it over there
0: well yeah exactly it's these bruising quotas and the thing is it probably does reflect profit we we have to have an adult talk about like um profit is not necessarily or or like efficiency is not necessarily that has to be weighed against like humanity, you know what I mean? Like, like it probably does save them money to, to squeeze people like this. Um, but, you know, there has to be some other goal in life, I, I think.
2: you know. At what well, cost? Yeah. At what point are people <laughs> shitting in bags? So I can't this, think I... of a more in-your-face <laughs> example of a reason to have any kind of workplace protections.
1: Yeah, so this man. Actually, no, go ahead. This
3: actually kind of brings me to a question where sort of discussing slightly debating on our bonus episode uh... which is next day delivery right because it is you know i, I think uh, a pretty natural response is like in a healthy world a better world that you know where workers had slightly even slightly more dignity let alone you know a socialist system uh... we probably wouldn't have next day delivery but i've also heard some people say that no we could keep next day delivery, Amazon just needs to hire more workers. And exactly. So do exactly. you think that's, uh, yeah, that, that they can yeah, this is a, a lot of the same benefits for the customers without, right. it would just cost their bottom line a little bit. This is a false choice, this idea that, oh, you know, we're going to have to go back to the world
0: of, you know, waiting two weeks for something if you want it. That's absolutely not true. The taxpayer is already subsidizing Amazon in all sorts of ways that are boring to describe and, you know, we could spend time talking about Another way that we could uh, subsidize them or maybe shift subsidies from stuff we care less about to subsidizing uh, this stuff is to make it so that they can hire more workers and still um, be able to offer, you know, people at the consumer level the same services they have. It, this notion that that can't happen because all it is is internal of the company. There's already money pouring in from public offers into this firm. It's so That's the whole point of a government is so that we don't have to um, live in some – um, jungle, where it's just the law of supply and demand, there's other things we can <laughs> put into consideration, one of which could be the humanity of, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of workers. Um, so, yeah, that's a completely false choice One when, when Amazon loves to try to wield over consumers who... Uniformly, uh, in, as far as I can tell, feel bad about this kind of thing. Um, and so that's, there's sort of only argument against it, I think.
1: Well, one thing I thought was interesting in your article is that somebody that did tweet at them even went as far as to say, I don't care if the stuff comes the next day. Like I'd rather you pay these workers. And then there's, there's like still unreasonable about that. But let, let's talk about um, specifically what you kind of exposed in this piece, which is that they, uh, so they had fuck, my mic is fucking there. There's, Um, let's talk about this program where they, I guess we're like paying new hires to, to like defend them against these piss and bottle posts and stuff like that. How did this come about? How'd you find out about this?
0: Yeah, so someone who works corporate had access to um, some sensitive stuff, and this was—it's kind of funny. Mark Amazon confidential. It's like they think they're cosplaying some kind of Jason Bourne movie or something, <laughs> where they um, gave it to me. It had a code name—the code name for this program of Twitter bots, or tw- not actually bots. These are real human beings, but they appear to be bots <laughs> in the way that they all have the same kind of structured bios, usernames, and things. Um, this was codenamed Project Veritas. And so the idea of it, and the reason they call it Veritas is because they're like, they're going to tell the truth about the company. You get to hear from employees that actually work here instead of these awful journalists that are just trying to, you know, (laughs) let's say stir up shit. Um, They, uh, they, it was maybe like a 10 page report and it describes how they were going to hire these kind of, um, perky, uh, there was a line in it where they were like, we might want to hire newer employees because they tend to be more enthusiastic and yeah, <laughs> more what that energy yeah. And these kind of <laughs> yeah, right, and then I tell them um, uh, to go online, and really I'm not exaggerating here, you can go through and, and read the source document, I've added it in the article um, the idea is that they're supposed to do these kind of uh, just s- kind of sassy clapbacks at like Bernie's I mean <laughs> they have examples of Bernie Sanders tweets that you, and examples of how to respond and make fun of him and uh, how to and they it, it, and so it encourages them to quote tell their tr- tell your truth, um, but there are a couple of topics they can't talk about, and one is unionization. Unionization. They're instructed not to say anything about that, <laughs> and they're also instructed not to say anything about um, what was the, one of the other ones? Uh, Amazon's allowing Breitbart to advertise on them, or they're advertising on Breitbart right, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So there are a couple of topics they can't talk about, but generally. Just, they're just supposed to do these epic dunks on, like, um,
1: Bernie Sanders and detractors. And he, he yeah. Your job is yeah. to defend the bathrooms with, uh, you know... Stealing stuff from Black Twitter or whatever. This is one of my in the article. You quote a few of them. I think they're very funny. I'm gonna read one or two of them. This is Yola at Oak Four Box Emoji. They all have the same like format name, which I tried to I changed mine to Jake at PIS Five, so it looked like piss. And then somebody <laughs> told me like they're literally like suspending accounts that do this, and I just got suspended, yeah. so I had to take it down. I don't know if that's true or not.
2: you are stealing Valor from Amazon.
1: <laughs> um, low Yola. Well, there was a line in the report where they're like, if we put the little
0: boxes
1: in there, it'll give them personality and flair.
3: <laughs> God, that sucks. No, nothing says personality like a literal box.
1: Um, <laughs> Yola, it's an emoji though. It's fun. <laughs> I love working with boxes. Yola says, although the facility is big, there are numerous bathrooms to use. My building has 12. Each bathroom can have 3 to 6. Toilet emoji? That's plenty. Plus <laughs> 20 to 30 minute breaks. That's more than enough time. <laughs> so, you know, this is like clearly like not real like or i mean you know it's it coerced well, or whatever no one talks like this
2: you know, what's the coolest <laughs> you can brag about the number of toilets in your bathroom <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. no one naturally talks like that <laughs>
3: What if you're like, dude, the well is the best fucking bar in Brooklyn. There's at least ten toilets in that bathroom.
1: Um, (laughs) Here's another one. one. Gary at Oak 4 They're all at Oak Four. My FC lets me take two, in parentheses, two 20-minute breaks and one 30-minute lunch. On overtime days, we get three 20-minute breaks, which is also pretty nice as well. Before the pandemic, our breaks used to be only 15 minutes. The overall 10-minute increase is thumbs up emoji. Being an essential worker is dignifying for or me smiley face <laughs> that's bizarre. Yeah. these are real people these are not bots
3: well, well that's what i wanted to ask because i have seen a couple like image searches that people have posted where they take one of these profile pictures and search it on google and it, it's a stock photo so are there are they 100 percent real people or are there some some bot is it possible that there's some bots mixed in to
0: my knowledge, from people inside, they're all real people. They might use another photo. Maybe they don't want to be identified as who they are. But these are real yeah. humans that work there. Um, this for whatever tra- reason yeah. that's that's part of their vision of. Uh, I mean, it reminds me of the Mohammed bin Salman accounts, the the uh, bot army that they have, where it's just out of nowhere. They're like, we love our prince, and it's responding to like I post a picture of my dog or something. It's just like, what? Yeah, <laughs> what
2: you, you don't believe that Khashoggi thing, do you?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I no one ever chops me in pieces at my job. <laughs> like a what a, some emoji. I've a you get butchered? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a knife. No one ever butchers knife me. <laughs> oh, <Jesus> um <laughs> This struck me as bot farm shit, which is like I think it's if I understand well, what a bot like a, form is, it's like one person, it's like but a they're Philip, running 10 it's like accounts. It's almost like
0: a Philip Dick novel, where you can't tell the difference between the real ones and the bots, mm. because their humanity has been so <laughs> curtailed and narrowed that the question is almost meaningless.
1: Like, yeah. what does
0: it mean for this to be a real person anymore? Because they're just saying these implanted thoughts anyways. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I started thinking about this. It's freaking me out. <laughs> We're literally to the point of one of his short stories.
3: <laughs> yeah
2: the humanizing part of it for me is that the uh, uh bonus the bonus paid employees who are making amazon accounts are bad at it because then i can really i'm not good at twitter i can put myself in the shoes of someone who just gets a new job and is like you know i'm pretty funny off uh off work hours if you want to you know talk about amazon or whatever i don't know i'm funny
0: they should just poach actual comics can you picture that they just have, like, Dane Cook on there. <laughs> it's just, like, responding to Bernie Sanders.
1: I would not be surprised to find out that people that we know just, like, took a job. Because there's no ethics in in the comedy world. It's, what, what do you mean you're supposed to work all the time? So, like, I, I've already heard kind of through the grapevine about people that are starting to cut deals with uh, the Lincoln Project because their next thing is to... Right. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and it's fucking... I, I understand
0: you've got to do what you've got to do, but...
1: Oh, I'd rather work for a big yeah. corporation than that. Yeah, stack like,
2: those Lincolns, baby. It's
1: fives of dollars. Right? They always pay like shit anyway. Comics are just such <laughs> fucking spineless losers. You don't have to do that. You can literally just do something else. But yeah, you do it. Work be-
3: for an enemy of the United States. Do it. <laughs> but register under the Justice Department first. So it's- yeah. <laughs>
2: I, w- I would love to see, fa- like, a downwardly mobile famous comedian just take this job, though, and then you just, you literally do have Dane Cook, and he's like, you have you ever been in a relationship with your shipping company?
3: That would be, but you'd also have Jeff Bezos calling you up at, like, one in the morning, like, trying to workshop stuff with you. So, like, I'm just thinking- throw in something about your ex, about ex-wives. That's why <laughs> aren't they vultures just, it can't be
1: famous comedians they need suckers that are think they're on the come up that's how you get yeah. people to run twitter or social about, media accounts how, jerry jerry seinfeld peeing in cups of comics <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> comedians in cars getting not coffee <laughs> just holding a cup of piss yeah
2: <laughs> There are a few people, like, I talked about this a while ago on the show, but if you follow, like, Carlos Mencia's Instagram, he doesn't seem like someone who wouldn't take a, like, Amazon piss-covering job.
1: Yeah, He's on a redemption arc. I don't want to get off on a tangent, but I heard he was on a podcast lately talking about how, like, uh, he was like, they fucking book Louis C.K. at the comedy store and not me. And he's got kind of a point.
2: <laughs> and then he says derp a he yeah. does the hand thing. Yeah.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Which you can't do anymore, but if you can't see it, it's fine.
1: Point being, they didn't fire him because of his F. Eth- like, he got caught stealing. They just fired him because he couldn't make money off of him. It's like. A- oh, Yeah. Yeah, no, it's the whole thing is backwards, but we can't get into comedy store politics.
2: There's no
3: time. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of theft, uh, the taxpayer has been fleeced by Amazon, and one of the ways that they're they they pay zero right in in corporate profit tax because, and this is something to remember, anytime some you know Republican uncle brings up uh, the fact that the u.s. has the highest corporate tax rate that is on paper it also is a nominal tax rate it's not enforced so there is no corporate tax uh... rate on profits in the u.s. but of course there are payroll taxes and that's what uh... mister carney uh... jay carney former obama spokesperson has been saying to to the claims of uh... certain politicians that uh, amazon isn't paying taxes he says well we do pay billions of taxes but that that those are payroll taxes those are not uh taxes in profit uh so how much should in a not a perfect world but in a slightly more just world how much would amazon be paying uh to the to the treasury
0: well this stuff gets pretty complicated because you don't just uh have to look at um the you know marginal corporate tax rate and these kind of things but all the forms of subsidy that exist. So I'll give you one example. Uh, you know, countless of these big corporations' workers have to rely on you know government benefits, food stamps, that kind of thing. Um, which is good that they get those things. I'm not against that. But that means that the taxpayer then uh, is you know paying them money that their employer should be paying them. Why are why does the public have to uh, shoulder this cost when you have these wildly profitable corporations? In the case of Amazon, worth uh, I think estimates are at like 1.5 trillion now, and they can't afford to pay people enough to live above the poverty line, that's insane. And so that's one example of many where they take advantage. I was just looking at another case. Um, They rely on the justice department to uh, uh, enforce um, certain, um, I don't know how you call it, uh, uh, compliance with certain sales things that that used to be done in house. Uh, That's another form of uh, 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 corporations, uh, um, you know, passing off costs on the um, taxpayers. It's just that this stuff is never discussed. So this notion that you know they're just out there making profit on their own without any kind of help or support from um, the government or taxpayers is just not true. So you have to factor all of that into um, the fact that you know marginal corporate tax rate is as low as it's ever been, um, and that you know they they pay very little and that they use all the resources they can um, in order to do, avoid what few taxes exist. So it's a huge, complicated picture. Um, that when their you know public affairs tries to respond to something like this with a very narrow example like that, they're they're really aligning the the facts of the the facts of it all. I think.
2: I've a general question. What is Jay Carney's job right now? Is he just like a fan? What is he doing
3: for Amazon?
0: <laughs> he's their press secretary, so he's essentially doing for them what he did for Obama.
3: And it's well, very he's like a dignified amb- one of these ambassador people, right? He's like their king. yeah. He's yeah.
0: head of comms,
3: and I mean,
0: I would imagine that they wanted the halo that he had over his head from the Obama years of being this kind of progressive guy. They clearly try to um brand themselves that way, that's why they're calling themselves the Bernie Sanders of Businesses. It's pretty funny,
1: yeah. It's PR, um, right? Yeah, totally. I speaking of he, which, I just got this was really random, I was not talking to this like this person doesn't know we were talking about this. I guess I was just tweeting about it. But my friend of mine just texted me that a friend of theirs works at the ad agency owned by Jesse Dillon who does I guess the ad agency does like PR for you no know, Nestle is woke now type shit. Ooh. PR's everywhere, folks. You can't escape it. That's that's the whole story.
2: Nestle is famously not woke, is All what right. I've heard. Maybe that's incorrect. We need to ask Jay Carney directly. <laughs>
3: Well, he, he's a funny character because he uh, <laughs> doing, is doing all this like interference for, for Amazon, their terrible practices, the union busting, firing Christian Smalls, uh, and then he's also in a Guided by Voices cover band. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, he's a huge, I think it's in his Twitter bio, he's like, lifelong Guided by Voices fan. Oh my god. So I, I really like the he idea does. of someone who works with him, like one of his underlings who keeps uh, – confusing it for Built to Spill and asks him, like, hey, how's that Built to Spill band going? It's, it's uh, a different that's, band. That'd be a good way to own him. Just mix them up.
1: There's more than just the I am a scientist song. <laughs> it's a very large catalog. <laughs> but he's one of several, a <coughs> uh, whole legion of
3: Obamanots who have made a very smooth transition right into the private sector. Um what is that open door policy like how does how does this how do these things you know is this is just like transparent corruption or or like do these people think they're actually doing something valiant with their with their occupations like what's the deal with this i think it's a really
0: nice illustration of how the system works which is yeah this revolving door policy of the top officials within the administration then go on to staff You know these cushy gigs at uh, mega corporations. Um, I do a lot of national security stuff, so I'm more familiar with, you know, Boeing, Lockheed Martin, that kind of thing. Uh, But this happens across the board. Uh, People that go to work for the FDA to regulate the drugs, they go to work on, they go on to work for the pharmaceutical companies afterwards. And there's a tacit, um, you know, I don't know about every case, but there's often a tacit agreement that you know if you, you're nice to us, we will give you something cushy afterwards, and that has an effect on how they um, carry out their regulatory duties and those sorts of things. So it's particularly interesting with Obama, though, because he has this halo that, um, you know, I think in many ways is undeserved, and um, he's kind of blowing up their spot. I know some prominent Democrats that were kind of expressing to me their embarrassment. They're like, oh, he's making us look so bad. I'm thinking to myself, it's like, well, he is what you guys are. Like, what, if, Maybe he's saying it loudly and visibly, but like um, this notion that this is any sort of character arc where he's getting worse, This is the same guy he always was. It's just that uh, the contradictions are starting to appear because there is a, you know, uh, push for labor rights now that didn't exist before. and People are just starting to notice it. But what he's been doing and saying is what Obama did and said, um, you know, and during the last year of his administration, uh, it, d- during the election between uh, Trump and Clinton, um, he was going out and defending the TPP and saying Nike was going to make all his money. And so we've got to, you know, ram through these, uh, uh, horrible trade agreements during the election. Some, If there ever was yeah. a time to be quiet about these things uh, and to try to get the Midwest uh, labor vote, that would be it. He's still out there saying all these things. So none of this is outside of the spectrum of, of the kind of Obama world. Um, it, they were very pro-markets. pro, pro markets. They just were. And nobody seems to want to admit that.
3: Yeah. yeah, it seems like one of the... Obviously, I hate Joe Biden. Like, hate. Like, I, even as a person, I hate him even more than Obama. But there is some... Understanding of the the value of unions, uh, than just his his politics that Obama just didn't have. It seems like too Well, Obama, just look at and a did lot that of his. Tweet. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, he came out with that tweet where he's supporting the um what right to unionize. You know, kind of mealy mouth as you would expect from a Democrat, who's president. But I mean, that was like light years ahead of what Obama would say. He would never say anything like that, not during an important um, union vote. So I'm not saying Joe Biden is this great guy. I'm saying that. That uh, there are contradictions that are beginning to emerge that that had not before, or at least not in any sort of visible way for the general public to see. And, and that's really where you're starting to see. That's why we're noticing Carney, because he's the same guy he always was. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah. that not addressing the recession from uh, 12 years ago and then things getting worse and worse every year since then has started to move the window left. It's strange that's happened.
1: <laughs> I guess it's just weird looking back on Obama that there was a space he was able to work in where, like you're saying, the contradictions weren't as heightened and he was True. able to just capitalize on all this goodwill and, like, good imagery he had and just say a thing that, like, was patently not okay but we just went, you know, why wow, he's, he's a good one, you know? He's cool. Right. Yeah, I,
0: just, I never understood what the benefit of was. Of, I mean, they're like, he's charismatic, he's popular, he's articulate, people like him. It's like, I guess it's it can be good to be popular if your policies are popular. But how is that good just to on an aesthetic level of appeal? That actually seems bad because then people are going to feel as though they're getting some kind of concession um, that's not material in nature. The concession is that this guy's cool and I like him or something along those lines. Yeah. Instead of... I um, think Biden, who's sort of the reverse, everyone thinks he's a <laughs> shithead, and it's kind of like, well, hold on, he's doing some stuff for labor. That's good. Yeah. I'd rather have the latter than the former. You know?
1: I mean, yeah. I, sorry, I keep harping on on fucking uh, PR or whatever, but I just watched the Adam Curtis documentary about it recently, where he talks about Edward Bernays and stuff, and how they like started, you know, all of this culture that we have with like uh, with doing PR for the. The overthrow of the Guatemalan government and stuff and I I keep thinking about this quote, it's kind of a bumper sticker quote, but somebody said it to me a while back and I thought it it really, you know, makes a lot of sense which is, uh, Republicans make things worse, Democrats make worse normal, and so with (laughs) Obama, like a lot of what he was doing was not, it wasn't like that he was even telling you that that, uh, what they were doing with the market stuff in his administration was good, it's just like, no, this is a step on the way to Something else. It's always like an implied that there's like a, a like a, a, what do you call it? Like a motion or a trajectory towards something. Right. Else.
3: Like I do think Obama and the people surrounding him genuinely do believe that unions are an antiquated institution.
0: One hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent.
3: Like the yeah, the way of the future is full marketization, and that's just inevitable, right? And maybe you have some little fixes here and there, but the, and, and that's what the, you know, I, I think Perrine has written about this, Alex Perrine, that the, it was a uh, nudge if you will. They, they wanted to do um, economic, have economic policies that sort of uh, invisibly motivated people towards more, you know, productive things or better, healthier things. They, they did not want to seem overt in any way uh, through the stimulus package, which was like, so it was, was you know, <clears throat> Almost invisible. If you, I remember seeing a couple signs here and there that were like this: highway construction that's that's going to screw up your r- roots for the next month uh, is from the stimulus package. But other than that, there's nothing. They didn't tell you you're getting a tax cut. They didn't tell you any of the, where any of the subsidies were going, or that these things were, were benefiting you but directly. It was supposed to be an invisible hand.
1: Yeah, it's weird because that's in contrast with his predecessor, uh, W, who like mm-hmm. sent out like checks with his name on it and shit like that.
3: Yeah, the Republicans know that, right? That if you're going to give people money, at least take credit for it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But like, if, right. yeah, yep. there were true believers in the Obama administration. They thought it would just affect things. Right.
3: Right. There's,
0: I wonder if there's inherent risk in letting the people know that there is such a thing as this government that can just give you shit and that you don't want people to know. Cause the myth is that it's all just market forces. <clears throat> what can you do? It's the law of the right. universe, you know? And then once you, once you have something where it's just like, no, we'll just print out a bunch of shit and give it to you. Then everybody's like, wait, hold on. Why don't we do that with other stuff? Maybe that's a dangerous road to for, go down. Yeah.
2: For sure. And if, if there's one side of the American political spectrum embracing the idea that you actually can directly affect politics, it's not the left. We are fully managered up, and we have been for the last 15 years. Uh, and that's scary because that means the people who want to just go and yank the market their direction are, you know, the right-wing people who we think are kind of, you know out of it a little bit yeah not great
0: historical precedents for that kind of arrangement where it's the right wing that are in these things yeah. at least in a more visible because the democrats do do these things it's just that they don't advertise it you know they're quieter about it
1: yeah all right um let's see i'm gonna pause here for a second okay so we are about 40 minutes that's good uh what's oh shit wait pause Okay, um, so before we finish out with Amazon, let's talk about Bessemer a little bit. Uh, they're still counting the votes, yeah, so we don't know what's gonna happen there. Um, I guess one thing that's been kind of interesting to me about the whole Bessemer Union Drive is, um, yeah, like so, like this thing that we were talking about with the you know, the bot farms or the I, I'm not really a bot bot people or whatever, the Philip K. Dick, uh, you know, fucking, am I a cyborg or not? bot accounts. Um, <laughs> is This is like one in a long line of tactics that they have clearly had to bust out in response to something that they're actually threatened by. Um, at Bessemer, there's a lot of interesting <clears throat> shit that, you know, if you shine a light on it, you can see some really dirty old anti-union tactics that have been dug up. I know, for example, there's like a, a stoplight in front of the Bessemer uh, facility that like, I think they, some, they somehow fixed to like it used to be cuz the people would be protesting on the corner i think is a story with signs and then they like somehow changed the stoplight to where people like traffic doesn't stop there as much now so they don't right. see the fucking signs and shit like that another thing i thought was kind of interesting was that there was um <laughs> there was an unsanctioned like uh he, like he, um strike or a boycott rather sorry an unsanctioned boycott that i think i looked into a while back and it sounded like um Amazon actually, what do you call it, astroturfed it because there's a strategic way to, like, astroturf a strike that actually hurts the flow of things and, you know, makes the uh, – if they don't do it well, it makes the, the union, like, look bad. This is like an old-timey tactic. I saw this because there was this article going around. People were sharing on Facebook, and then somebody debunked it, and I was like, oh, yeah, the actual, like – organization that's organizing for the union has said this isn't us like don't support this kind of interesting all sorts of shady shit going on down there i don't know what do you guys know about Bessemer?
0: yeah one of the biggest problems that i had identified to me from people both in the corporate side and uh on the uh, warehouse and and driver side was how they took down without notice um a uh the entire employee directory for being able to like find people's numbers to call them like out of work and uh in the context of work, um, I don't know if Amazon does this, but I remember when I worked at Target when I was younger, they um, they they wouldn't even let you know the person's last name. And a lot of, um, you know, it's pretty widely understood that, and, and they limited access to just super basic information. The idea being, this prevents the sort of associations that, that form to uh, create, and, and that was what was brought up to me again and again was people t- saying, you know, I know friends that would probably be amenable to this, but I don't know how to find them. Cause I maybe don't know their last name. maybe. It, certainly don't have any of their contact information. This was done, I want to say, a few weeks ago, um, maybe three weeks ago or so. And uh, that was probably the biggest one identified. There are other ones where they were saying that they were putting um, these walled things around um, uh, in offices, claiming that this was to protect against COVID. Um, It's unclear to me if that's true. But what what I know is that a lot of people that work there were worried that um, this was another attempt to limit, um, you know, association between individuals at this critical point in time. Cause they said they didn't get these things early on when that stuff for COVID would have helped just as much. It, it, you know, it came closer to the, to the vote. So it seems like there are a number of things. It's hard to know exactly what the motives are. Cause they're never going to put in paper if this is union busting kind of stuff, but it, there does seem to be a lot, uh, a lot there.
1: Well, the last name thing checks out. Cause all those damn bots are like, I'm, J- J- you know, James at Oak four or whatever. No last names. <laughs> And no, and they didn't like we were saying they didn't have identities. They had, like fake, uh, you know, stock photo pictures and stuff like that.
2: My yeah. name is Mister Employee.
1: <laughs> I'm supposed to be there.
3: So it it seems like yeah, they are freaking out. Uh, corporate management across the country and world are all eyes are on Bessemer. Uh, this would be pretty huge. What what would it mean if they were to unionize for all the other fulfillment centers throughout the country?
0: That was the most encouraging part of. Um, interviewing people and investigating for this story was um, hearing, particularly from the folks in corporate and those in PR and tangent to it, um, that they're terrified of this. And that yes. um, again and again, I was told that these crazy statements that we're all laughing at and thinking, what the hell is going on? That's coming from that fear. They're really scared. They don't know what to do. And there's, they're kind of um, you know, grasping for straws here. Like, oh, I know. Uh, we'll do the strong guy thing and, and scare them away and yell at him. Uh, that's why senior management is so... Um, uh, acting so much out of the character of what we've seen from amazon in you know recent years is because they don't know what to do and they know how serious this is um so uh that was a much different picture than i usually hear talking to talking to folks there's usually never any sort of threat
2: i guess i just wonder uh in the big picture because amazon is so powerful like to what extent could they just say no you don't have a union like maybe not in this specific (laughs) plant but you know They have a million plants and they have as much money as a small government. So like if this went up to the Supreme Court, you know, would this go anywhere?
3: I think it has has to go through the NLRB, right? And uh, there's some signs of improvement with the NLRB from, you know, from Trump.
0: Yeah, particularly with Biden in office. Again, I'm not a Biden booster by means, but um, he, you know, uh, much different from Trump in this particular narrow respect. Um, you know, domestic labor, uh, I think it's unlikely that they would be able to do that because of the, you know, uh, legal regime in place. I think it's much more, I think the greater concern would be their attempts to try to um, water down the union and make it, you know, a lot more um, amenable to management and work with them, that kind of thing. I think I think that's the primary concern. But we'll know um, the votes are already in that ended on Monday. Um, we should know in the next week or two um, if the vote succeeded.
3: Yeah. all eyes are on it. That's, uh, that's going to be exciting. I think, you know, other industries and stuff, I, you know, I found out recently that, uh, FedEx uh, of like can't unionize place by place, workplace by workplace. It has to be all or nothing. Like they would have to take a national union vote. Uh, so like they do sort of similar operations to Amazon. So like other companies looking at this might, lead to some changes. Maybe they would change the law or maybe there would be a national push to unionize a place like FedEx which has been, you know, had trouble uh, during COVID, right? Um, U- yeah, UBS, I tend to yeah.
0: I tend to view this as a win-win. I think it's a um, I think the, the Amazon will want you to view it as, oh, it lost. There you go, you lost. But the truth is, so look at their $15 lost. That all comes from pressure like this. You know, I mean, they're doing that as a concession, like this notion that they just came up with the idea of whole cloth and, you know, what did Bernie do? The whole reason they're doing this is because they want to outflank the appeal of these types of forms and say, hey, look, we're giving you stuff. You don't need one of those. So, you know, even if this fails... You just scared the shit out of them. And, right. um, you know, that has some effect in terms of the concessions they're willing to grant employees.
1: Yeah, it really says yeah. a lot that they were directly, like the bots were directly given instructions on how to handle Bernie Sanders specifically. Right. You know? Right.
2: <laughs> they get a little picture of him in the mail in black and white. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: There was one really shocking one where it was like they were teaching them an epic clapback against. Um, there was a video of Bernie interviewing, gosh, I can't remember, it was some celebrity who used to work in the Amazon, or maybe it was just some Amazon worker. And he said that, um, and this was not something, I heard this kind of thing from other people too. So this was not, um, people might've thought it was um, hyperbole, but he was saying he wanted to like end his life because of how awful day-to-day work was. And that was something I heard from multiple people talking to them, just how demoralizing, degrading it was. And then they instructed them to have this epic clapback of like, um, sorry, it didn't work out for you. I love it here or something. Like, I can't remember what exactly
2: <laughs> pieces, but it's in the thing. And I'm just like, oh,
3: my God. <laughs> <laughs> <This> sounds really. <laughs> tell un- them to do it. Oh, yeah. Please. I, loved <laughs> my, Please. I loved my time Please. in Afghanistan. It was a blast. I don't know about you, know, but...
1: <laughs> Please don't end it all, gun emoji. I'm having a great time. Happy face emoji. <laughs> I, I guess like my it. question... Good.
2: I guess my question is if Amazon is doing this and they're the you know, biggest company that could be having these kinds of unionization struggles, uh, to what extent is there like a PR infrastructure in other large companies? Like when are we going to start seeing this from, I don't know, like grocery store chains or you know, are there other intelligence missions being carried out on the corporate level that we don't even know about yet?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of these things are locked under NDA. A lot of the stuff I was given was potentially in violation of NDA. So it could be hard to find out what exactly is going on. But I think these t- things tend to emerge um, uh, sort of in in correlation to the threat that they perceive. You know, so I think we'll see more of it and more aggressive of it um, as, as a threat posed by the potential you know, uh, ability of people to unionize and, and, and win these union votes. So um, I imagine it will reflect whatever, whatever sort of concerns they have about labor is but yeah i'm sure they have in the conflict primarily in a you know country like this where you what can't you just go into what it would be the scariest is information
1: Hello? Is, is everyone still there i think i might have got yeah i'm still here i don't know what happened i'm back oh i don't know there was a <laughs> weird we
2: have to edit this part. that was <laughs> jumpy for me oh, yeah. um, <laughs> um uh what do you think would be the scariest brand to unionize i would say under armor <laughs> well you they just pro- seem like they might like send out like iRobot style droids to get you or something
1: my theory is that the Amazon workers are eventually going to all be wearing diapers and so if the diaper people unionize <laughs> that throws a monkey wrench into the whole operation this is not, that's the end of capitalism
3: that's going really. to be the compromise like we're not going to uh, change your quotas we're not going to change e- the bag bottles rule but you can wear a diaper
1: we're not going to change your diapers ship. E-
3: you just get like a NASA, you just get a NASA
0: suit and everyone's walking around in those. That would be so do- You're a cool.
2: spaceman. Honestly.
0: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> work in a space suit. <laughs> <laughs> and they just make it space themed where it's just the star. It's like you're in Epcot.
1: Yeah,
2: you You just get to go get fired at your warehouse job wearing like a full Mars outfit. (laughs) (laughs) Take your helmet off. Take your helmet off.
1: Put it on the desk. (laughs) 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 Oh man, that's that makes it sound fun. Don't let them hear this; they'll do that. (laughs) Our
3: ideas are too good.
1: Yeah. Well, uh I guess something that just occurred to me to tie this back to that Obama thing or whatever. But what's really interesting about this to me is that like there is an argument that sometimes people make where they're like, you know, okay, you know, Marxism is, was really interesting and it was, but it was so timely and, you know, capitalism is so different now and all this stuff. The reason that like left Twitter is just every fucking account is called like Jeff Bezos drinks piss or whatever is because this is all of the contradictions that, you know, we're we're talking about in the factories and like capital and stuff like that are all present. Just it's, it's like, so it's, it's so similar. Like it's all, uh, you know, pretty close to like a one-to-one when you look at directly this specific company. And so you can see that in that they're going back into the old timey union busting tactics from the past as well, because nothing has really changed in their regard of like the way this company is shaped. So I guess I'm trying to tie this back to the Obama thing, because one thing that's really interesting is that that implication that the Obama administration was sort of putting out that, We've moved past all this stuff. Is uh, it's it's clearly not true. Like
2: to, to maybe carry your point. Maybe the uh, value of the Obama administration, just as uh, an entity, is, is it seemed like a triumph of the time because it was next to Bush, which I think we America started feeling pretty guilty about by the <laughs> by the end of uh, the Bush presidency. But the the value of it is that the kind of conciliatory uh, reach out to capital while fighting-for-labor tactic is demonstrably not effective. And it's only led the, like, everyday conditions that we live in to slide downhill. And now, when we need an example, we can just point
1: to it. Oh, you know what? I remember what I was getting at. Um, okay, so yeah, when you... This is all important because I think that this all points to the union is the only fucking way out of this because there's something that I've noticed from people that I think still have kind of Obama brain and are trying to carry it into our real world, what we're currently living in, which is that when you talk to liberals, a lot of times they'll say like, um, you know, I'm, I don't shop at Amazon or I'm going to, we should boycott Amazon or something like that. And there's this it's huge misconception at the, you know, at the, the, the core of that, which is that we're going to market our way out of the problem of amazon because the idea is even if you were to successfully boycott this company which i don't think is possible at this point that just implies that oh we're going to like make space in the market for a better more ethical amazon to come along and fill its space and that's like not how the market works the market works in the way that the, the company that is the most exploitive and horrible is going to come along and take that place and so we kind of need to get people out of the headspace of like that there is a consumer power way out of this problem. It's really yeah. it's, it's only fucking unions. The the only way we do this is by slowly taking back a you know a, a stake in the fucking company, and then you know maybe hopefully someday owning the fucking thing or whatever. Um, yeah. That's my soapbox pitch. I'm done.
2: Okay, I'm sold.
1: <laughs> I, mean, I'm not, I don't mean I don't want. Yeah, look at to the good
0: achievements. Look at the good stuff that Obama achieved, um, like the Iran deal, the Cuba normalization, um, that kind of stuff. How long did that last? It was almost instantly ripped apart and it doesn't look like Biden's going to put it back in place. So not only um, does, you know, a, a, a political movement lacking a labor component um, not, you know, achieve any sort of like labor concessions. The whatever concessions it does achieve are immediately you know reversed upon the next administration. And that's the change we've seen is we have Biden voting 50 and just saying, like, yeah, I don't give a shit about Republican votes, and I don't think I've heard anything about the deficit anymore. And so, again, not a Biden enthusiast, but um, that is a difference than uh, what we saw under his predecessor, under his Democratic predecessor. Um, it, all of these, I mean, obviously, Biden is making um, overtures to capital, clearly, um, but they're just not the same overtures to bipartisanship that was always ludicrous and and you know revealed to be
1: ludicrous, and it seems like that's finally appreciated. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, should we move on to the Chauvin trial?
3: Sure,
2: Anders. What's a good segue? (laughs) Uh,
3: Okay, Obama. uh, So Obama was in office, and he's. I just saw an interview recently where today, where he was like, "Well, some uh, police departments uh, have done some good stuff, like." Camden, New Jersey, which is famous for, you know, having the state police take over uh, law enforcement in the city because their police department was so shitty that they just had to shut it down. But they, you know, replaced it with the state police or even more, you know, uh, bootstrap. Um, And he said, like, when there are drug dealers in the park, they sent fire or they sent ice cream trucks. And that helped things that (laughs) The I don't know what point he was what? trying to make. Yeah, I don't know what he was trying to where. Did he was Joe Biden with.
2: write that point? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Famous lover of ice cream, Joe Biden, um, and Obama apparently does not like ice cream, so that's another interesting difference. But hmm. basically he was. I didn't saying even that- think of the ice cream
0: thing. I just thought of the non sequitur.
1: Oh yeah, he said,
0: "Did Biden write that?" And it's like, "Oh yeah, also the ice cream." Also, yeah, he yeah. loves <laughs> vanilla. He loves, ice he loves cream.
3: vanilla ice cream and aviators. <laughs> Cool. I hate what a cool him. guy! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, Obama, who, who was considered a cool guy, uh, wh- he had conceded that like we've never tried sweeping police reform. To the interviewer, who was like, "Well, has reform really worked? Because we have all these things that haven't have actually made the problem worse." Um, and so that brings me to the Chauvin trial, in which there was a guy who was uh, one of the, the witnesses is like a community police liaison or whatever who was appointed by some Obama program. So they did try to do some stuff, but it just like doesn't do anything. If you know what you have to actually just take away power from the police. That's, that's really the only option They're not, and not like throw these uh, sort of um, programs at it that are trying to just uh, act as, as coverage for the, for the cops. Uh, but the Chauvin trial has been interesting. I think, like, it's, there's just something cosmic about the fact that two of the witnesses who directly saw George Floyd being killed were, one, an MMA guy who, like, knows about chokeholds. Like, he studied this stuff. He studied Muay Thai and, like, every martial art. Uh, and an EMT who was off duty. Like, two people... Standing there. So they're gonna have to make the case. And
1: an ice cream man.
3: And an ice cream man. They're gonna have to the defense is gonna have to make the case that these people, uh, were just unruly for no reason, right? That Chauvin was doing his job and then they taunted him for no like the fact that his knee was on his neck was just incidental. Because that's the thing that I I don't know how they're gonna explain. Uh, because you see people getting arrested, like if you live in an urban area, all the, you know pretty frequently, right? At least a couple times a month you see somebody getting arrested, if not way more, right? Yeah. Uh, you don't stop and yell at all of those arrests. Maybe you might stop and watch, but they were yelling at the fact that the knee was on the neck. Well, usually so it's like, like
1: even if you want to, you'd be afraid to. But if you, right. you if you think someone's being murdered, then yeah, you might feel compelled to fucking risk it.
3: Right, right. Yeah. And that's don't let like your here.
2: imposter syndrome stop you in that situation. <laughs> you should probably say something. <laughs> yeah,
3: and that's what happened here. And the defense—I don't know what their their strategy is because on the one hand they're trying to say like, "Well, it was the crowd. It was their fault. They
1: were unruly. They blame the audience. attention.
3: Hallmark yeah, of a bad comedian. The uh, and they're that's, uptight, right?" This joke that, worked
1: last week. That's what he's saying while he's...
3: <laughs> this uh, joke worked last week. Ah, there you go. Oh. <laughs> uh. But that's one <laughs> argument. But then they're also saying that, you know what? Derek Chauvin actually did everything correctly. So it wasn't his fault. It's said George Floyd had a heart attack. So, like, which is it? Is it the crowd's fault <clears> or the <throat> George Floyd's heart? Like... Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing is, like, this lawyer is a a white guy. It's like a Minnesotan white guy. I was honestly shocked that they did not do the, you know, more strategic sort of regular move, which is to make a a choice
1: in who is representing
3: you and have a a charismatic
1: black rhyming lawyer. Yeah,
3: exactly. They should have gotten some like cynical Johnny Carson more, Johnny, maybe more Johnny Carson. You mean Johnny, Johnny Cochran. Cochran. A cynical Johnny Carson
2: <laughs> showing up saying, have you seen this? My client being held wrongly. Yeah.
1: He's got the turban on and stuff.
2: A cynical Peter better He needs a Paul Schaefer at the cross-examination. <laughs> so uh, our, it sounds like it's so far not going well for the defense. That's what I'm getting.
3: You know, I don't know because, like, I don't want people to get their hopes up because statistically the defense is going to win, right? But I do think this might mark a sea change. And I'm thinking of – because it's just so hard to defend this. There's been several, like, there's been a supervisor and just a a veteran cop, two two people who have, like, trained and been trained and use of force stuff, and they both say there's no reason for him to put the knee on the neck. Uh, but Did they bring up the fact that he's, like, killed people before? That hasn't come up yet. Crazy. And I'm be- what's one thing I'm curious about is the fact that it has been reported. I don't know. Like, I've gotten sort of conflicting information on this. But it's been reported that Chauvin and Floyd knew each other. That they worked together at the same club. Yeah. Uh, which... I don't know if they're going to use that because that that would be an argument for like premeditated first degree murder um, I, for a manslaughter charge. I'm not sure if you can really use that. Um, so it may not come up in court. Um, but I still think they have enough to convict Chauvin. I, you know, I, I, I if I had to guess, I would say he gets he gets at least a you know decade or something. Um, people are saying like, oh, that's just going to be, he's going to be the sacrificial lamb for police to not have to change anything. Um,
2: it's a backdrop of the fact that if they don't convict this guy, it's probably going to be riots in the street.
3: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, but the thing I, I'm sort of hopeful about is I'm remembering in 2015, Jim Comey, who, uh, you know, this is before the 2016 election and all the scandals and stuff, and it was before he was fired, uh, but was, when he was an FBI director, they we're kind of like in the first wave of Black Lives Matter. He said that there has been a chilling effect with law enforcement officers across the country because of the Black Lives Matter movement, which uh, I think was probably bullshit. And I remember thinking at the time, like, if only, right? Wouldn't that be great if there was an actual like deterrent for p- cops killing people? Uh, and I think. This, if nothing else, if Chauvin is convicted, this could actually be that chilling effect, right? It's not going to fully change the system, but it will at least be some deterrent to murder for police officers in America. Um, Another thing I wanted to bring up quickly, Eric Nelson, the defense attorney. uh, And by the way, this is the most Minnesotan trial ever because every lawyer is like... Oh, I'm sorry. That was a bad question. Let me rephrase that. It's just the most like polite, <laughs> passive aggressive interactions. Oh. Uh, but on Eric Nelson's page, on on the Hallberg uh, defense attorney, criminal defense law firm, on his page, he like puts up up front. He he like brags about. Um, representing individuals faced with civil commitment as a sexually psychopathic personality <laughs> slash sexually dangerous person. <laughs> he's talked all about how he's represented people with DWIs. Like, you have you to know.
1: know your audience. You got to play <laughs> exactly. to your crowd.
3: Yeah, but the funniest Sexual part
1: is there's psychopaths. like... psychopaths.
3: <laughs> Because right, Andrew's kept saying
2: that it was weird that they didn't get like a black lawyer for the big racial trial, but they reached out to the real demographic they need, which is jo- joker-fied American constituents,
3: who understand they need a psycho in their corner.
1: Yeah, a mad <laughs> dog.
3: <laughs> but the funniest part of this page on his website is there's a typo where they, they're trying to say Eric's experience includes homicide, sex offenses, drug offenses, assaults, hundreds of DWI and alcohol or uh, traffic offenses, but there's a typo. So there's a the space between Eric's and experience is deleted, and it literally says Eric's Sexperience.
1: Yeah. Yes. Sexperience. This is why the lawyer I want when I go to prison someday, some guy comes <laughs> yeah. out and it's like, Ladies and gentlemen of the court, as a sex spectacular uh, individual, <laughs> I'm here to talk about
2: i'm gonna get some of the oil out and drape it across my chest and let you do the talking let's see how that works out (laughs) (laughs) even the minnesota lawyer gets the fun southern lawyer accent that's just how it works folks that's That's it that's actually
3: my mom is uh she's a new yorker uh and lives in minnesota now and she worked for the department of education and had to like go on work trips to small towns and stuff and her rural accent of, like, Minnesotan is just a southern accent. She's like, oh, yeah, I went, I went down to uh, Marshall, <laughs> Minnesota, and people were talking like this. It's like, you did not go to Alabama. I'm sorry.
1: Ladies and gentlemen of the court. Oop. <laughs> southern Minnesota lawyer. <laughs> That's pretty much all I got Yeah,
2: We've gathered here by the Canadian border To discuss this criminal enterprise
1: Oh, I do declare I need a juicy Lucy right now <laughs> To feel the, the cheese dripping off my chin Like a...
2: <laughs> Those are weird, why not just have the cheese on top? I've never had one
1: they sound really just good. Just
2: have it on top. Oh, sounds... Are you making this complicated for me? It's, know. It it's a nice awesome.
1: gooey sensation. It sounds you know. cool.
3: Yeah, it's fun.
1: I really it like It's the
3: same as a cheeseburger.
1: I like the dairy well, it's thing. The, in the cheese
3: Midwest. is more, you know, melt. It's literally melted into the burger.
1: So Am I triggering gooier... you? Am I triggering you? I'm just you, saying Anders? the
3: cheese is gooier than you would uh, get yeah. if it was just slapped on top. It's
1: a hamburger gusher. What is not yeah, to like? Exactly. It's cool. Alright, well folks, I think it's maybe the end of the episode. Uh, <laughs> Ending a cheese. Yeah. I've run we out shit with, piss, to talk about. with
0: cheese.
1: Yeah. That's what we do here. It's called long form improv. You go from piss to cheese as they teach. We need
3: two words. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah
1: well. Piss um that that's guy. what
3: podcasts are going to be now we're going to take suggestions from the audience and connect the oh, news of the week to whatever words they come up with
1: i want to make one thing extremely clear this podcast will never take suggestions from our listeners <laughs> do not try it <laughs> i fucking uh for april fools i put a tweet out that was like um hey, we're looking for someone to come on the show and debate us about uh, you know, capitalism or whatever. And I was hoping to, I would get a bunch of China people that North hated North. us. And, uh, you know, the stupid dickhead, like, libertarian comedian types that would want to come on. All of our own fans were like, I would love to. When can I come on the show? Can I talk about <laughs> I <was> like- <laughs> They're just
3: going to change their opinions? I don't know. I don't even know what.
1: I don't know. I think they just want to be on the show. I mean, that's just how shows work. <laughs>
3: yeah. You know? It doesn't really
2: seem like an April Fool. It seems more like you disappointed our fans. I know. It backfired
1: hard. <laughs> I was trying to troll, like, right-wing chud guys, and instead I just let our own fans down. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know what? Maybe we'll do someday q and A Q&A episode. that would be kind of fun. There we go again. Um, well, nice... we got our
3: uh, live streams on, on Twitch. You can ask us questions sometimes.
1: That's true. That's true. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, let's do some plugs and get out of here. Ken Klippenstein, where can our listeners find you and read your work and all that stuff? Hey
0: guys, I write for I, I uh oh for the Intercept, on Twitter, In my Twitter bio. I have my signal uh, for tips.
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah, if you work somewhere where you uh, do not piss in a toilet, tip off Ken Clippensteed <laughs> about it.
2: Are you in a prison of despair? <laughs> Message Ken.
1: <laughs> Alex, you got anything? Yeah. I've got to do... Oh, go ahead.
0: i got to put an ad on the Amazon bus. Yeah. yeah. It's like, Ken works for you, you
1: employee. <laughs> <laughs> Ditch the bottle, or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Ken, do you have a movie recommendation for us this week? This is not
0: the uh, thing.
1: I, Go ahead.
2: I don't know if I'm in the minority here, but I like
3: the. I, we were talking about Philip Dick earlier.
0: I like the Blade Runner sequel. I thought it was pretty good. I have no idea yeah. if that's a white. It was I a sequel. I
3: thought it was. A, I thought it was a remake. No, no it a sequel. Sequel. it's an update. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna have to rewatch. I watched. I think it was the director's cut, and I've heard of the original, and I've heard that you should just watch the not director's
1: cut. Yep, yeah, that's oh. correct. Okay, and then I'm gonna yeah. watch the
3: sequel. Cool.
2: The
1: sequel is long, but it's good. It took me a month to watch. I watched it in pieces because it's just so boring. (laughs)
2: <laughs> mixed reviews on the Blade Runner sequel from three years ago <laughs> um, Patak. I've heard good things about the movie plug section I'm going to bring it up every week uh, <laughs> All right. you can follow me on Twitter at Patak Jokes this week I'm plugging Eric Andre's movie Bad Trip it made me laugh harder than anything I have ever seen in my life big fan of Bad Trip not going to say why <laughs>
3: I am at Anders Leher on Twitter, Dursley1, Instagram. Check out my other job, Redacted Tonight, on YouTube and TV. And uh, I would recommend Norma Ray, which I watched recently. A good Union film. Ooh. And a nice, great ah. film if you're into uh, Jewish-Gentile sexual tension, which is what my apartment's all about. <laughs> As we all are.
1: Yes. <laughs> um... Okay, my other podcast is Why You Mad, and we do Twitch stuff, and I don't think I have anything else to plug. Maybe... The stand-up might come back soon? i never really looked into this. Um, oh, for movies, I have not been watching proper films lately. I, I had a weird hangover day where I watched a shit ton of anime. So I can't remember if I already said Doro the is good, but I really like that show with the guy with the crocodile head. And I recently watched the first season of Inuyasha like Inu a 14-year-old. And it was pretty enjoyable because it's very weird and... Uh, based in like somebody told me it was based in like Japanese actual Japanese folklore and that's what made it kind of mm-hmm. interesting to me All
2: I right. mean talk about sexual tension
1: that show is so horny too if you want to feel like a horny 14 year old should watch Inigasha
2: do you ever feel like you're a boy who's a dog but in love with a woman
1: yeah Check
2: it out.
1: (laughs) And then there's a horny monk with a hole in his hand. What is that a metaphor for? Oh, and
2: anything goes in that hole. There's a whole universe in there. Well, that's it for this week. (laughs) All right.
1: Oh, We've recently found out that our sign-off is the thing that Jesus Christ said right before he died. No way. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I tweeted it from the account Alex did, right? um, That's right. Unrelatedly, it's finished. It's crucified. (laughs) All right. <laughs> it's-